Education has become something of a battleground for Christians in recent years. Ofsted has conducted hostile inspections of Christian schools and the government's controversial push for so-called British values to be taught in all schools threatens to increasingly marginalise Christians. That's why the Christian Institute's trustees decided to appoint an education officer, someone to deal specifically with issues affecting Christians in schools. So speaking to me on our podcast today is John Denning, who took up the role in June 2015. So John, thank you for joining us. Oh, it's a pleasure, Angus. Well, uh, before we get into the nitty gritty of your work, perhaps you can give us the background of how you came to work with the CI, because you've had experience of this kind of hostility firsthand. Yeah, well, it, it's a long story and I'm going to have to skip over some of the details. But yes, I was a teacher before coming to work here. Um, I taught in, in, in a number of different schools um, in the state sector, um, but schools with a Christian ethos. And I saw firsthand really how they made a massive impact on kids. And, uh, and particularly I was, I was involved in a school that was opening, a uh, 3 to 18 school, um, uh, as, as head of the science faculty there and was able to have a sort of blank sheet for planning the curriculum um, all the way through, which was, which was fantastic. And then when that school opened, I really saw how it, it, it just... Having that Christian approach to education makes such a difference. And when you, when you really go in seeing every child as made in the image of God uh, and seeing, you know, refusing to be discouraged and seeing the, the huge potential each of them has um, and not making any excuses for them in terms of their, their, their behaviour either. I mean, we recognise we're all fallen and, and ultimately what's needed is... Um, the work of the Lord and the gospel, but but still, if you, if you go in with that that almost belief in the child, uh, recognizing their preciousness and their potential, and and also a belief in the the value of what you're teaching, that we're teaching about a world that God has made that's full of purpose and beauty, um, it, it just gives another dimension, I think, to your teaching, and and I really saw how how that transformed the lives. Of, of young people and their prospects. And so there was a real need for, for a new school and I wanted it to be a Christian school, wanted to apply um, what we've already done. So we got involved in, 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 in opening a school, worked very hard over a number of years, got the school open and it was a tremendous success in so many ways. We had one particular uh, difficulty and issue we had to deal with as governors. I was, I was chair of governors, um, but we dealt with that. Um, but then some allegations were made about the school I still don't know what precisely those allegations were, um, but reading between the lines of what happened, I think they were they were about the, the, the Christian ethos and the Christian approach of the school. Um, and that triggered an Ofsted inspection um, that was completely unbalanced. I mean, they set aside really strong, hard evidence um, and built a, a completely false picture of the school um, and that really woke me up. Um, and, and, and the outcome of that Austin inspection in the end was that the school was closed. And then I got the offer of coming to work here. So that's what I've done. So now, rather than being the one uh, in need of the help, uh, you're the, actually the one trying to help Christians in education. So um, you joined in 2015. Could you tell us a little bit about your role and what a typical day looks like for you? Yeah, well, my, I suppose my role has, has two parts to it. One part of it is 
giving individual assistance to Christian teachers, Christian governors, Christian parents, um, sometimes even Christian pupils will contact me directly, um, advice to Christian schools. So it's that sort of individual advice that's part of the job. And then the other part of the job is more to do with government policy. Um, so sometimes I, I get to go and meet MPs or civil servants, um, res write responses on behalf of the Christian Institute to government consultations in education, or provide some input into advice we're giving to our supporters on, on responding to, to those consultations. And, and I just want to say, um, as I guess our supporters, some of our supporters are going to be listening to this, that really does make a difference. And we really have seen where um, the input of our supporters is ends up making a difference mm. to what government education policy is in the end. So that's, that's a really important part of the job. Uh, and going back to sort of the first part of your work there, uh, how much of your job would you say is responding to uh, people's inquiries? Yeah, well, it's grown um, since I started working here. Uh, to start with, it was maybe 10%. Now it's more like 80, 90%. Right. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, that's the demand there is, is really growing. I think that's partly because there are more issues in schools. It's also because people are more aware that they can come to us yeah. for help, and that, that's, that's a great thing. Um, we've actually got a, a job out, of, out at the moment for someone to come and, and assist me in that work, which, which should um, give us a bit more capacity as well to, yeah. to give that individual advice. Uh, and what are some of the most common questions that, that are cropping up from people? Yeah, well, well from parents, um, it's often about, well, what, what can I say to the school? How can I approach a school? Because I have concerns about what the school is teaching, not really happy with it, um, but what can I really do about it? Do, do I have any say in this at all? And, and, and how can I express my concerns without, without school immediately just sort of dismissing me as a bigot? Because, uh, you know, often... Um, people who aren't Christians just don't understand Christian concerns. They're coming at things from a completely different perspective. Um, so part of it is how to communicate um, across that sort of barrier of, of misunderstanding. Um, and, and part of it is is equipping parents to, to know what actually the law says, and the law is often on parents' sides. So, yeah, concerns about teaching about LGBT issues, particularly transgender, is, is, is a big thing, um, and what schools are saying about transgender. Um, and and the way that sometimes schools are pushing one particular point of view to the exclusion of all others, and um, parents have a good uh, good reason to object to that, and they have good grounds actually. On that subject of um, what you can and can't say to schools, it's worth mentioning that you know while people are increasingly saying that you know, the Equality Act is the reason that you have to teach about LGBT issues. Um, you know, it's not quite as simple as that, and, uh, and you've been involved in uh, producing a publication for the CI which explains a little bit more about uh, how the Equality Act actually affects schools. Yeah, I mean, there's a huge amount of misinformation about the, the Equality Act um, and, and schools claiming, or even the BBC have claimed <laughs> on their website, that the Equality Act requires schools to teach certain things. Well, actually, the Equality Act itself says in, in the chapter on schools nothing in this chapter applies to the content of the curriculum 
And that's because you can't have a situation where what is taught in the classroom is subject to all sorts of legal action from people saying, well, this isn't supporting my rights and this isn't supporting my rights. You can't have a history lesson on, um, say, Guy Fawkes. Um, and then the Catholic kids in the class say, well, this is discriminating against us. No, what you teach has to be determined by by the academic study, not by the rights of different groups within, within the classroom. So the Equality Act excludes the curriculum. Um, so that's, yeah, that's simply not true. Um, there's nothing in the Equality Act that requires schools to teach anything mm. in particular. Um, but there are things in the Equality Act and also in the Human Rights Act which protect the position of, of parents and, and of, of Christian children. Um, and, and this publication really looks to, to, to explain that and to give some examples to help parents and teachers understand um, where things lie in, in relation to the law. Um, and actually, in, yeah, in many ways, the Equality Act and the Human Rights Act are on the side of parents. Today, I mostly want to focus on uh, this issue of relationships education and relationships and sex education. Um, and, and they've been in the news an awful lot recently. Uh, with the protests in Birmingham, uh, generating an awful lot of public interest. Could you just briefly explain what's going on there? Yeah, well, in Birmingham, it's not about relationships and sex education. At least that's not what the schools are saying at the moment, because the new laws on relationships education haven't yet come into force. Um, so it, it, it's at those schools they've been talking about, well, the schools are saying we have to teach this because of the Equality Act. We have to teach the Equality Act. Well, they're, they're not under any duty to do that. Um, and then a, a number of Muslim parents, or a large number of parents at the school, uh, Muslim parents particularly, are objecting to the school's approach and saying, well, the school's pushing opinions on children which they don't agree with, and the schools shouldn't be doing that. It's highlighted the real issue here. Um, uh, and you know, parents have legitimate concerns about what schools are teaching. Um, but I'd want to encourage parents to think, well, there's something they can do about it without needing to protest. So how do the materials being used in these other schools, how do they differ from the government's relationships and sex education guidelines, uh, which are sort of set to come into force uh, next September? Yeah, well, the, well, the government's guidelines on relationships education, on, on sex education, are pretty broad. You know, they, they allow a lot of scope for individual schools to make their own decisions. Um, the government says there is no requirement, no specific requirement on primary schools to teach about LGBT issues, although they encourage primary schools to do so. But the guidance does say that schools must seek the views of parents, they must consult with parents, must have regard to the views of parents. Um, they also, uh, the guidance says that schools must provide teaching that's appropriate to the age and to the religious background of pupils. Um, so there's, there are some good things in there that, 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 um, that parents can make use of. The, the, the guidance also says that schools are free to consider religious perspectives, and obviously a school which does have a Christian ethos is going to do that, and is going to teach according to, to that um, Christian understanding. Um, so there are good things in there, uh, without a doubt, relationships education in primary schools particularly where there's there isn't any automatic right of withdrawal from that that can be used as a vehicle so just as 
Um, some people have sort of jumped on the Equality Act to justify what they're teaching in schools. I'm sure those people trying to teach those same things will use relationships education um, as the grounds for saying they have to teach such and such. Um, but there's some useful information on the Department for Education's website that parents and teachers can find. There's, there's a frequently asked questions for parents. There's some fact sheets for parents as well on there, which set out what, what's actually the case. And the full guidance is there if, for schools if, if people want to read that. Um, and there is scope. There is the possibility. If, if parents make their voice heard with the school, um, the way is open to have an approach to this which isn't a problem. Well, I'm, I'm sure that a lot of our supporters will be particularly wondering uh, what is the situation regarding faith schools and Church of England schools and Christine Ethos schools and things like that? Yeah, sure. Well, the same guidance applies to all schools. Uh, it, this is We're talking England here. I should have made that clear earlier. This is England-only education is devolved, so it's different in Scotland and Wales and Northern Ireland. Perhaps we should say something about them in a minute. Um, but yes, the relationships and sex education we're talking about is England only. Um, and it's the same guidance for all schools. Even, even, even your fee-paying independent Christian schools are bound by the same guidance. Um, but as I say, there is a way of approaching this which will comply with the guidance uh, and which is absolutely fine, I think, from a, from a Christian uh, perspective. There will, of course, be lots of people pressuring schools to... to, to um, teach lots about LGBT and to present that in a way in a very secular way, um, but the way is open for, for for Christian schools to within that guidance to find find a way through, and that's one of the reasons actually that the guidance isn't as bad as it could be, because it's had to be written in a way that respects the position of faith schools and allows them to teach. And you mentioned earlier about an inability to opt out from. Uh, relationships education at uh, primary schools but uh, what about more generally uh, in terms of opting out from relationships education and relationships and sex education can Christian teachers parents and children can they opt out from these kinds of lessons if they do object well in England and Wales there is a very specific right um, of opt-out from collective worship from religious education but also from sex education. Um, it gets a bit complicated from September 2020 when these new laws come into effect in England. It gets a little bit complicated in that it's actually a right for parents to request for their child to be removed from sex education, not relationships education, just sex education. Um, and, but government guidance says primary school head teachers should always grant that request. Secondary school head teachers should grant it except in exceptional circumstances nearly always they will grant it except in the case of a 15 year old child who wants sex education if the child wants it and they're 15 and parents don't want them to have it then the school will provide sex education lessons for one term out of the three terms in the run-up to their 16th birthday having said all that um, the there that's the automatic right of withdrawal if a school is teaching and approaching things in a way that is not objective, is not critical, is not giving a range of different views, or if the school is saying this is relationships education but actually is teaching about sexual relationships or sexual activity, 
then parents have a good argument to say they got an op right of opt-out anyway. Um, in Scotland, the guidance from the Scottish Government says that schools should allow parents to withdraw their children from what, what they're now calling RSHP. So yeah, th th those, those rights exist um, and, and, and yeah, parents need to, to make use of them. Um, it's not, I think, that we want to see huge numbers of children withdrawn, but it, it's really useful for parents to have that right because it acts as disincentive on schools on a, in, in adopting really radical approaches that, that lots of parents object to because schools don't want lots of parents withdrawing their children. So if parents are prepared to exert that right to withdraw their children, then that's a lever that they've got to help force the school to do something that, that actually will mean they don't need to withdraw their children. Are there any um, positive resources which uh, schools can use um, which do still abide by the law but which also uphold biblical teaching? There, there, are, there are bits and pieces that are available. Uh, at the moment that we're speaking I don't think there is a full package that a school could just buy in and say this is going to tick all the boxes of, of what we're required to deliver um, because the requirements are quite broad, cover a wide range of areas. Though so There are people working on those things but certainly there are Christians who've, who've, who've reduced some helpful materials. Um, and, you know, if there, are, if there are people who want to know more about that, then, then do get in, get in touch and we can point you in, in the right direction. Now, with, the, with parents being the primary caregivers, what would you recommend is the best way for parents uh, to both get involved in their child's school to know what's going on and also how to raise any concerns that they might have about what's being taught? Yeah, well, I mean, that's a good question. And actually being aware is of what's going on can be difficult, particularly with very little children, very young children who can't come home and explain exactly what's happened. And parents don't always want to be interrogating their children on, on exactly what's happened in every single lesson. Um, but you, yeah, you need to be generally alert. And, and just when you go in for a parents' evening or whatever, have a look at the displays on the wall and see what's up on the wall. Have they got some big display about Princess Boy on, on the wall, which happens in some primary school that's a bit of a clue that you need to be asking some questions of the school um, sometimes if, if, if parents are able to do so schools welcome volunteer obviously you go in to volunteer to help the school but but the more you can be engaged positively and constructively with the school the better ultimately of course um, in in England and Wales you can become a parent governor um, and then you have a real say in, in, in decisions on policy in the school, um, and that's something I'd you know certainly encourage Christians to to do if if, if they're able to do that. And there is training provi providers, so you don't need to feel you need to be an expert in education to to do that. Um, in Scotland, there are parents' councils, um, and they can have a very positive influence on, on what schools do as well. So there, there are formal ways of getting involved as well. Um, but yeah, just ask questions. Schools are not going to refuse to tell parents what they're doing, or, or if they're refusing to tell parents what they're teaching, then there's something very wrong, and um, parents have have good grounds to complain about that. And schools have a formal complaint system that parents can can work their way through, um, and ultimately that that can be necessary as a way of 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 addressing issues. But yeah, get involved, stay alert. Um, one of the problems uh, with some schools at the moment is rather than sending printed newsletters home they send parents a 
text message on a Friday afternoon often. Um, the text message often doesn't say anything. It's got a link to a website. And if you're on a busy Friday afternoon, it's easy for that text message to come and go and you, you don't even really notice it. Um, but it might be inviting the, the, the website that the text is linked to might be inviting you to a consultation on relationships education and you might miss the opportunity. So there's no alternative, I'm afraid, but to make sure that you're alert, that you read everything that's coming from the school. And, and parents, particularly, again, in England, where over the next year, most schools will be consulting parents on their plans for relationships and sex education. Um, you can be proactive. You can go to the school and say, you know, what are your plans for consulting parents on, on relationships education um, so that you know in advance? John, I know we've only really covered the tip of the iceberg today, so we'll have to have you on again to uh, talk about some of the other issues affecting schools at the moment. But until then, thank you very much for your time uh, and thank you to everyone listening today. Goodbye.